What's going everyone? Welcome back to Opinions Are Strange here at Rogue Opinions. My name is Nathan. Uh, we took a week off last week just because there was so much goddamn grappling to talk about. But myself and Carl are back once again. Hello, Carl. Hello, Nathan. Yeah, we got through all that wrestling, thank Christ. And we're back to Opinions Are Strange. Exactly. The grapple people did their grappling and we talked about it. Uh, so check back through the feed. And if you want to see what have hear what we thought of Fight for the Fallen or the other one, Extreme Rules. And then myself and Scott, we've done our punishment now after the predictions of December to dismember. So you can go listen to endless wrestling content. But that's not why we're here today. We're here to talk about Before the Storm, the prequel to Life is Strange. We are on it episode two there's only we've only got one episode left and then the bonus and then we're then we're then we're done carl yeah and i've actually never played the bonus episode so i'll be uh coming to that fresh when uh, we get to that one yeah exactly so we will be we'll be checking that out but today we are on episode two brave new world the B B N W. that's it yeah and uh, episode one, just because it's been a couple of weeks, ended with uh, with Rachel setting a massive forest fire off after finding out her dad had been, well, she saw her dad having an affair, having a little smooch in a park. Chloe was there to kind of comfort her, but then the fire really kicked off in a big way. Scary times. Um, yeah. So episode two opens, we are back at Blackwell Academy and we are in some trouble uh, because we bunked off school for the entire day the previous day. Uh, both Rachel and Chloe are sat in front of Principal Wells. Uh, parents are there as well, as in Joyce and then, um, oh, I can't remember what Rachel's parents are called now. I've already forgotten. Uh, Rose and James. Rose and James are there. Um, kind of a... You kind of see the divide um, of kind of almost like the classes, because obviously Rachel comes from kind of a more well-off background. And then you've got single single mum Joyce in a kind of waitress outfit stood behind her kind of child as well. So you can kind of get to see where the characters yeah. are at. And, and uh, they come in a bit late as well, don't they, uh, Joyce and Chloe? Of course they do. <laughs> what else would we expect? Um, so we kind of get to see what Principal Wells is really about in this conversation because he's fully prepared to plaster the entirety of the blame onto Chloe. Um, yeah. And Joyce kind of, well, you can encourage Joyce to kind of fire back and say that Principal Wells is obviously picking on um, on Chloe because Chloe is is in the on, in the academy on financial aid. Um, she's not paying all the big money that we presume Rachel's family are. And Principal Wells is quite clearly siding um, without any kind of evidence with and kind of looking to almost get Chloe complete, uh, Rachel, sorry, completely off the hook, don't you think? I suppose he is in a tough spot, though. I mean, it's a brave man that goes against the district attorney and in fairness to him. But yeah, he is more than prepared to throw the book at Chloe and she does have the the record to, to back that up in the, in his defence as wrong as it is to just single out the one person 
Yeah, well, I think that we found out where in my playthrough, we found out in episode one that if you went, if you did all that extra stuff at the front of Blackwell Academy, you could find out that Principal Wells was, has been labelling students based on their background and stuff. Skip gave out that information. So I think Principal Wells obviously plays to his side and his side is wherever the money is. Um, but to Rachel's credit, she it was her idea to take the day to bunk off school all day, and she tries to take the entire blame for it as well, and said that she convinced Chloe to go with her, and that if anyone should be blamed, it should be her. And no one wants to believe her though. <laughs> yeah, but good on her because in that situation, how many people would actually pipe up like Rachel does? They'd just sit there and let the other person take the blame nine times out of ten. Let's, let's be honest. Exactly, exactly. But uh, Rachel does do that. Principal Wells keeps asking her, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? And her parents are acting shocked. Joyce is piping up and saying, basically, oh, you were targeting my daughter and she's not even to blame. And um, then you get the first choice of this episode. Do you allow Rachel to take the take the most of the blame or do you enter into our uh, argument little mini game and rag on principal wells until until you in fact take all the blame which direction did you go in uh i took all the blame ah oh, good because i let i let uh, rachel take the blame uh-huh. you might have uh, because I, I did do that on one playthrough so at certain points you might have uh you might have a different part. What did I? Hold on. I might be getting myself mixed up because I did this one a few days ago. <laughs> no, I let Rachel take the blame on this playthrough. Oh, you let Rachel take the blame. Yeah. Okay, I'm so thinking you... of my first playthrough where I did it the other way around. Okay. If you let Rachel take the blame, what will happen is Rachel will get told she can no longer be Principal Wells kind of assistant person and that she's no longer going to be playing the lead role in the adaptation of The Tempest, which yeah, will be which, coming up later in this yeah, game. Which is scheduled to be tomorrow, or was it, or tonight? So they're quite shocked that he's made that call. Yeah, and who is the understudy? But none other than Victoria Chase. Mm. So Victoria Chase will be, will be, at this time, taking Rachel's place. Um, so... The game then, obviously, still put, well, not the game, Principal Wells still punishes Chloe, though, by suspending her for the rest of the year based on her record. But she, um, if you go in the other direction of taking the blame yourself, you are expelled for good. Yeah. Which obviously um, leads into the events of the first game. And Rachel keeps the spot in the play, which leads to slightly different events a bit later on in the, uh, in the game. Yeah. So uh, Joyce is very. Obviously, well, all the parents are pretty annoyed at this point. Uh, they, you get told to leave. Skip is going to escort you out of the building. Uh, outside the office, Joyce does go and introduce herself to Rachel's parents and kind of say how it's funny circumstances to meet. And then Joyce will be waiting for you outside and you have to go empty your locker escorted by Skip. Um, I think Rachel says something to you as well. Yeah, uh, meet you at the junkyard, something like that. Yeah. I think she yes, uh, whispers like in her ear. And yeah, the most intimidating security officer of all time. 
Exactly, exactly. So um, he takes you to your locker to go and empty out. You obviously, most, the only thing that Chloe cares about is getting a secret stash of weed, which unfortunately has been ransacked by Justin, who just yeah. left a note saying he owes you. How did you even get in a locker, though? I mean, it's, can't be very secure, can they? No, they can't. I'm sure they have some agreement. And then we kind of head into the, well, not the intro part, but the title sequence for this episode is you go into the girls' bathroom, which is a very familiar sight to Life is Strange people because it's the exact same one that Max first sees Chloe and Nathan in in the first game, and you just graffiti the entire thing. Um, yeah. as the game logos come up in the title of the episode. And you just kind of write in quotes that people have told you before, draw a big middle finger on the floor. <laughs> it's a, it's a so weird one. Clearly, clearly between now and um, the original Life is Strange, someone's been hard at work with some soap and water and a scrubbing brush to, uh, to get all that off. You'd hope so, because it's been about two years at that point. <laughs> I don't know how good Chloe's or, pen is. But... Or painted over it, one or, one or the other. Yeah, and then <laughs> as you walk out and Skip takes you out the building, Victoria walks in and just has kind of a little shocked face yeah. as she turns around. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and that's kind of the that's kind of the opening to the, to the episode. So before we get to the meat of it, what did you think of the way they carried on the uh, from the first episode? and kind of the development that you saw kind of in the relationship between Chloe and Rachel. Yeah, it's, it's a good place to pick up in uh, the principal's uh, office, showing that their actions from the previous uh, episode has consequences, and those consequences are, are pretty harsh. I mean, even if you uh, let Rachel take the blame, you still get suspended, so you in no way get away with this. Um, it's good to see how much of a friend... Um, Rachel Amber is and how much she clearly cares about uh, Chloe as I mentioned before willing to uh, take the blame perhaps she knows as a model student who's rarely rarely in trouble and with a father who's district attorney she's more likely to get away with it but still most most friends in that position would probably just say nothing (laughs) and let you take the blame I'd imagine yeah exactly and uh yeah, I thought this was a really good opening. I think it showed, as I say, Principal Wells showed kind of his true colours yeah. and where he lands. You then kind of got introduced to two people who are going to become very important by the end of this episode, which is Rachel's parents. Um, you get to see kind of Joyce again and her role and what her relationship with Chloe is at the moment. And um, yeah, as you say, the strength of the bond that Rachel and Chloe are, build, are building. Uh, so I thought it was a really good opening. Um, the game then takes out as we begin kind of the meat of the episode. We're out into the car park, and basically we have to head off and speak to Joyce and David. Before you do that, you do get a text. I think you get a text from Rachel. Yes, you do. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember what it says now. I didn't write yeah, it down. Same. But I think she just says sorry, and then um, something like that, and that they'll speak later. Someone you can go speak to is Elliot. Elliot, who we should remember, is kind of filling the, the hole that Warren plays in the yeah. first game uh, in a slightly different way, but that's not in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so you speak to him and 
you tell him that you've just been suspended. He'll ask if you want a hug. Uh, did you take the hug? I did, yeah. Oh, I didn't. I said, I said no, no, no. It's no, kind no. of a, it's kind of a reluctant sort of. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, Chloe will explain about how Rachel is no longer in the play, but Elliot doesn't care about Rachel. Um, he'll then ask, well, for me, because I said no to going to play with him last time, he'll say he's got two tickets. Do you want to come? And I said no again um, to him, in which he says, OK, that's cool. Maybe we could just hang out instead. And then Chloe will say she thinks she's just going to go home and chill. And Elliot looks a bit annoyed as the conversation ends. How did it play out for you? Uh, well, she asks, why are you here on a Saturday? And it says, oh, I'm here to get those tickets. I don't want to miss out. And then he asks if we want to hang out after the uh, after the show. Then I say, yeah, sure. In a non-too sort of com- committal way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Not like, yeah, I can't wait to hang out with you later. It's <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Sort of thinking, why does he want to hang out with me later? She's not cutting in on, is she, I don't think. Or she's no. deluding herself, one or the other. Exactly. So uh, other things you can see in the car park, there isn't much. There's like the uh, there's Principal Wells' car that you can go look at and things like that. But most of you are here to talk to Joyce and David. And this is a rather intense conversation. Uh David kind of kicks off immediately, um, pretty much. I start saying about how you need a better attitude and you need more um, discipline. Chloe will obviously fire back. Joyce will be trying to keep the peace, um, if that's possible. And you can kind of, you can sort of almost come round to David's side. But how did you play this? Were you rude to him or were you kind of trying to play along? I was kind of trying to play along, to be honest. More out of intrigue to see how that would go. Yeah, that's kind of what I did. And then you'll get to David's true motivation, which is that he, her, him and Joyce kind of basically want you to get off the drugs and the alcohol or the weed and the booze. And to prove that you want to do that, even if you do kind of agree with them that you want a fresh start, he will ask you to empty your pockets onto the back of the car. Uh, did you do this or did you not? I did, yeah. Oh, I didn't. So we've got a slightly different part. What happens if you do? Well, he searches, yeah, um, because we bought the weed off. Um, oh, I forgot his name there. Frank. Frank. In the in the club, I have got a packet of weed on me in my first playthrough. I don't think I bought the weed off Frank, so they don't find anything on you, and uh, you're clean. But, yeah, at this juncture, I have got weed on me. And she goes, oh, look, weed. And Joyce said, well, well, I'm disappointed you've got that on you. I am glad that you've come clean. Okay. If you don't um, if you do not do it, then you'll kind of walk up to the car, turn around and kind of flip the bird at, um, at David. So you kind of swear at him, uh, tell him that, call him a fascist, and then... Joyce and Chloe will kind of have a bit of a heart-to-heart about trust. And they'll both basically admit they don't trust each other at this point. And that's where it'll be revealed that the fresh start that Joyce is being on about is that David is moving in. Yeah, I get that announcement too. Not the heart-to-heart and the trust issues, but yeah, we do get the 
The gist of where it's going is that, yeah, David's moving in. Yeah, and that will send Chloe into rage mode. She will kick off big time. Um, kind of, she will kind of admit that she's been, if you select that conversation point, you'll kind of admit she's been a bit of a burden, or you can kind of say that you know Joyce has been trying. Um, it'll look like you're going to get in the car to head home, but Chloe will kick the door shut and storm off. Yeah. I've got no home if he's there or something to that effect, she says, doesn't she? Yeah, she basically accuses Joyce of picking David over her. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that'll be the end of first bits of some good development. We get to see where all the uh, all the anger in the relationship between David and Chloe was born from, which is obviously there instantly at the start of the first game. Uh, we're kind of seeing why they're both so angry at each other all the time. Yeah, I mean, there is the sort of the thing that, you know, she sees that Joyce is already replacing her her dad in her eyes, which uh, probably is part of it. But the other part is David just doesn't handle himself very well. He's either not adapted to dealing with uh, young adults or people in general because it, it does make life difficult for himself, doesn't he? He's not very diplomatic. Yeah, he does continually continuously make things tricky he's not great at talking to people and chloe's obviously not great at handling serious situations either um so they're both just butting heads constantly and we see that at this point whereas david was very much kind of almost a bad guy in the first game we're kind of seeing how it ended up to be that way in this game because chloe's not making life easy for them no um, but yeah, that's that section. So we are off and away, and we pick up the game after a, a brief fade out back at the wonderful junkyard. Uh, Chloe will be laying on the back of something with her baseball bat again, having a little smoke. And she starts to kind of ponder to herself about is this junkyard all she has left? She'll smash a couple of things with the bat, and then we get to see the famous Chloe truck for the first time. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty cool beast, to be honest, even if it's a bit rusted and rickety looking. Yeah, I mean, I did have a question about why she picked this truck in a moment, um, which we'll get to, because, oh boy, is it not time to play another search around the junkyard for some stuff? Oh, yeah, it's not as bad as, it's not as, bad as the bottle one, though, thank Christ. It's not quite as bad, so... Chloe, obviously, she, as we know from the first episode, she knows her way around a car. She knows her way around the engine, thanks to William, her, uh, her biological dad. And she works out very quickly that the battery is absolutely screwed. And it's time to go look for a new battery. And so you wander around a junkyard and you see a much nicer truck. Now, it is clamped, but it's a much nicer truck and it's newer so my question is, why, why, why didn't she pick that truck? Because she can't get the clamp off, perhaps. Yeah, it's, weird, she... cause it, it's weird because it looks like it's perhaps been impounded, but don't the police have like a special car park for that normally? I can't quite make yeah, a yeah, they... tail out of that. There's a police notice on the side, but clearly she won't care about that because she's about to take what you presume has been a truck that's been condemned and try and get it back on the road. Mm. Which is equally, but oh well, that's by the by. Those uh, clamps you, are tricky to get off, Nathan. Maybe, maybe they are. But you gotta, 
you take the battery out of the newer clamped up truck, take it back to the other truck and put it in, nearly electrocuting yourself. <laughs> but she does it, gets in the truck and <laughs> looks for the key, but then realizes that, well, presumably the key slot is so worn down that you can actually just use a screwdriver to start it. <laughs> so she tries that, but it's not going anywhere at this point. It's just ticking over. Um, if you guys know what a starter motor of a car sounds like when it won't start, that's what it does. It just tick, 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 tick. But there's no life in it. So Still needs a bit more work doing to it just yet. Yeah, it turns over, so that means usually a good sign. Yeah. Which we obviously know it will work at a later time because she's driving it in the first game. Uh, you get some texts from Rachel. says she's going to meet you at the junkyard soon. Um, uh, but in the meantime, you're going to fix the interior of your truck up, which is nice. You've got a rip in the seat. You've got a hole in the floor, and you need a new interior bulb. So back to searching around the junkyard we go. What for? Yeah, what fun. So you find a beach towel and a floor mat, which are quite easy to find. The bulb was a bit of a pain in the ass because I forgot where it was. Yeah, I've, I, found, uh, I found two possible bulbs, and I think there's two possible towels you can use as well because I found, like, the tie-dye um, yeah. beach towel. But a bit later on, she notices, uh, like, a, a blanket or a towel with, like, a, a skull and crossbones on. It wouldn't let me take it because I already had the, oh, the other towel. But yeah, I'm pretty sure you could probably take that if you if you're empty. Yeah, maybe. And uh, yes, yeah, so we do that. Uh, I found a blue bulb that was on top of a robot toy. Yeah, me too. But in my first playthrough, I went I, I went I think round the back of that hut and I found some Christmas lights where I I took a bulb from, if I remember correctly. Oh, fair enough. And, and I found just... uh, and I found a golf, an old like little golf mat, you know, where you see the businessmen in their offices. Oh, okay. I, I found one of them for the for the mat. That's cool. Then, uh, yeah. Once that's all done, you just kind of sit in the truck once you've done it all and kind of ponder things, and then your phone starts to ring and it's um, like, just sorry, just to cut you off. And another thing I found, I don't know if you found it yet. I've only found it on this playthrough. Is a uh, you can find a little bobblehead figure you can pick up to put on your dash. Oh, okay. No, I didn't find like that. Like some sort of singer. Yeah, I don't know. I, I missed it the first couple of times I played it, but uh, I found it this time. Yeah, and then say once you're done and you sit in the truck, you can then graffiti the back of it with the Illuminati symbol um, or one other one. I, can't I think remember it's like now. a yeah. I think it's some sort of quote or something she'll she'll put on. Yes, you can you can do all that, and then uh, your phone will begin to ring, and it's our old friend Frank. Uh, Frank needs needs your help uh, find to find out where you are. He sounds a bit panicked, and he basically tells you to stay at the junkyard. He's going to be on his way. Uh, Chloe will also ask if she'd done something to upset him, and he's like, well, "I don't know, have you?" And then he just tells you to wait, wait for him. Uh, so you do, and you. Chloe ponders her existence again, has a little smoke, and then drifts off to sleep. Yeah, and we have uh, one of those weird dreamy things, don't we? And this time we're sort of in the junkyard. There's fire all around us, and William's car's on fire, and he's roasting a marshmallow uh, on the fire in his car, isn't he? 
Yeah, and he's got the birdie with a crow or the raven. Yeah, but it is yeah. sat next to him. Chloe ponders, do I even like marshmallows? <laughs> and uh, yeah, William in this dream will be talking really, he's talking about the beauty of fire and how fire is all destructive and it wants yeah. to be the most beautiful thing. That's the point of it. And then a rather ominous ending to this dream as William turns, half his face is burnt. He kind of looked like, if you imagine, Two-Face. Yeah, that's what Batman. I put in my notes. Yeah, yeah. like Two-Face. Um, the raven or the crow will jump on his shoulder and start pecking at his face, and he would and he'll warn you not to get burnt. And Sound then, advice. Yeah, you'll wake up to the sounds of Rachel Amber tapping on the window. Um, do you think William was warning us about Rachel? That's the only thing I can think of. But who knows? Yeah, exactly. I'm not too sure either what he was meaning I mean, by it. In the first, I mean, in in the first episode when you have a dream, you see Rachel, and she does actually literally bur- burst into flames in that in the dream sequence. So it's possible. Yeah. So fire seems to be her thing, basically, pretty much. Uh, fire is kind of. I guess, well, as we see later on, she's got she's got a fiery personality. So maybe that's what they're referring to. It's just be mm. careful. Uh, yeah, so after that, say Rachel will be waking us up and she will ask if you're going to let her in. Uh, she'll throw a bag in the back of the truck, which we'll get to in a moment. And yeah, she seems to like the truck. She even calls it an escape vehicle. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she'll apologise for the Wells meeting and how things got obviously out of control the day before with the fire. Chloe will be like, that's one way to talk about it. <laughs> and then they kind of just have a little therapy session amongst themselves. Yeah, basically, yeah, have a heart-to-heart about what's getting them down in life and what have you. Yeah, pretty much they talk about, um, Chloe will talk about David, about how he's moving in. She'll coin her phrase of step douche if you pick yeah. that option. Talks about getting kicked out of school and now she doesn't know what she's going to do with herself. And obviously about her new friend who set fire <laughs> to an entire <laughs> forest. <laughs> but they are kind of complimenting each other a lot. And But Rachel kind of shut down a bit when she starts talking about her dad. Because she's basically beginning to question everything he's ever told her. Well, you would, to be honest. Yeah, and then um, uh, I say Rachel kind of shut down and stopped talking for a bit. Chloe will try and change the subject, but Rachel will bring it back to her dad and obviously say all of that stuff, how she basically is questioning her entire life at this point and that he's she thinks he's been pretending to be someone he's not for her entire life as well. Um, serious stuff, really. Yeah, I mean, it is a fair thing out of character for her dad. I mean, especially when you get to the bit later when you're in um, their house. I mean, he's a district attorney. He's, he's very straight-laced, or at least that's how he plays it. And then here he is uh, meeting other women behind everyone's back or so, it seems. So you can imagine what, what a shock that would be. Yeah, exactly. Of course you can. And... Uh... Yeah, after that, uh, Chloe, uh, not Chloe, Rachel's phone will ring and it'll be time for her to go. 
she needs to get back to the play and obviously in both of our playthroughs she needs to go clear out her dressing room and make yeah. sure Victoria's okay um it'll kind of you'll see that it bums her out a bit to uh to have to do that uh Chloe will then say about the bag don't forget your bag and Rachel will say that's for you it's a supply bag uh, which is very nice. And now it's time to make up the little shack that Chloe's this, always yeah. had in the, in the junkyard. So you can hang up your dartboard and everything and a little flag and draw, write the Chloe was here that's obviously on the wall that we always see. Um, nice nostalgic moment for us. We get to see where that came from. Yeah, I mean, what do you think it was? Like some sort of half-built office or something that they... Decided they didn't need in the end. It's a bit of a random sort of half-built structure there, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if it's properly been built or if someone built it out of spare bricks that were yeah, there. As you say, maybe it was an office and this junkyard isn't actually used anymore, but it's never been cleared out. Could be something like that. Because all the junk that's there is the same junk that's there in the second game. Yeah, apart from that uh, truck. Maybe the police just have nowhere to stick impounded vehicles in that town. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. So we shall see. But it's all very good. And uh, then it's just time to pick another outfit. Which outfit did you pick as we changed clothes? I went for, like, the Rorschach T-shirt, if uh, you know which one I mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. I went for the bird skull option that you get, the Square Enix members one. Oh, right, yeah. Kind of an exclusive little outfit it's free to get you just have to sign up to square enix's website um yeah and then frank will message you because frank is here he is indeed onwards we go it's time as we walk up to his rv who of all people gets out of the rv car it's uh james's or um rachel's dad's mystery woman yeah, she gets out, stares daggers at us for some reason. Don't know what we did to her. Um, but she didn't look very happy at us. No, she didn't. And then knock on the door. Franco eventually let us in. And in the RV we are, he tells you to go get a, the book from the back of the RV and then just drives off without checking if we're ready because we nearly fall <laughs> over. Say, so you can look around his RV a little bit and there's a note if you if you drew the graffiti on there about the free candy inside you'll see a little note on the side table from someone that has said they've reported this to the police (laughs) Uh, so you'll kind of ponder in your head oh maybe I shouldn't have done that there's a grocery a groceries list that you can graffiti if you want to there's a bag of weed that you can Subtly try and put in your pocket, but Frank will instantly notice and be like, don't touch that. And yeah, nothing else, but he knows when you've touched his weed. Yeah, exactly. And then you just walk back to his bed, to his kind of sleeping area. As you open the door, a baby Pompadour will run out. Yeah, how cute is he? He's very little. He's still a puppy. He'll kind of bite your little, bite your boots a little bit and then... Uh, Frank will tell him to get to the front, tell Pompidou to get here, and then you can go into Frank's room, uh, have a little look around. Uh, there'll be a dog bowl filled with food in front of the grate that we open in the first game to find the file on Rachel. Um, 
other than that, there's just a there's just a notebook. Unless you saw anything else. Uh, there's there's a cushion that Chloe uh, says that it's clearly dead because it looks like Pompidou's rugged it to an inch of its life. But yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and uh, you'll open the book and you'll see it's a list of people that basically owe Frank money. Uh, I can't remember. Did you pay Frank back in the first? Episode? I did. Yeah. Yeah, same. So you'll see our debt of $175 is crossed out. But there's a few more names on there. And... um I Pompadou now. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> I've got the, it's, it's quite warm here, so I've got the window open next to me. So if you hear outside noise, I apologise. Yeah, it's I've got my... It's a very hot day. I've got my doors open as well. So whether you can hear anything, I don't know. Yeah, so you might just hear a few... few few things just from everyday life getting picked up um you'll take the book back to frank at the front of the rv and now it's time to chloe to attempt to quiz frank on who that woman is um or did did you do this or did you leave it no i, I did I, I did try and press him uh, on the the woman we saw because uh, chloe muses uh, rachel would want her to find out yeah so did you successfully do it I did, yeah. He, he, still, even though you're successful, he doesn't really tell you a great deal, does he? Yeah, he tells you her name is Sarah, and that yeah. she's, she's appeared recently and has been causing trouble. causing trouble. Um, then he kind that, of uh, realizes he said too much already, doesn't he, and uh, won't tell you any more. Yeah, I mean, if you paid Frank back already, he's kind of more giving towards you in conversations. If you do owe him money. Um, he does bring that up a couple of times and it's a little bit harder to get information out of him. Uh, not that it really matters when you get to the bit where you find out how much, uh, how much he drew actually owes, which we'll yeah. find out in a minute. Uh, he'll, also, he'll also tell you that the, the mill burnt down in the fire and that name Damon gets brought up again. Yeah. And he's lost a lot of money. Frank will say he doesn't like what he does, but he does quite a few kind of other bits and pieces. And Drew, who uh, Frank even says is a good, smart guy, uh, has gone kind of quiet on him. Don't talk to him. And he owes a lot of money to Frank. And therefore, he owes a lot of money to Damon. And he will make a suggestion that he's going to take you to Blackwell. You're going to sneak in and get the money. And what Drew has been doing is selling um, Oxycontin uh, to the footballers uh, for Damon, but he now owes him a lot of money because he's not he's, been honest. Yeah, he's not been paying him back. Yeah, he's not actually been paying him for what he's been selling, which is, I presume, not how those things work. So Chloe will say about how she shouldn't be at Blackwell at the moment, but he won't. But uh, Frank won't care. He'll say, can you do this or not? And then Chloe will ponder in her head about how she can do this for Rachel because Frank offers her a 10% cut. Yeah, he does. And she thinks £100 will be a good start. Not exactly a lot of money, but it's better than a kick in the teeth, I suppose. It's better than no money, which is what she's got at the moment. Well, true enough, true enough. Yeah, so to Blackwell we go. The first thing we can do, we can have a conversation with Steph, uh, Mikey's friend. And Steph will basically say she's the stage manager for the Tempest, so she's getting ready, but also say she's thinking of making a move on Rachel Amber and seeing if Rachel would be interested and asks if there's anything going on between Chloe 
And Rachel, what was your answer? I uh, I answer because she sort of says, I'm not sure, doesn't she? It's, it's confusing. Yeah. Yeah, she does say that and just says she's not sure. And then Steph kind of says she'll leave it, basically. And then uh, she'll ask what you're doing here as well. And you can kind of say, because everyone knows that Chloe's been suspended. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then Chloe will obviously be as secretive as she can. And then onwards and upwards, you walk up to the dorm room door and it's locked. So we have to go play a bit of a game in order to gain access, uh, which is we walk up to the utility room, see Samuel playing with the sprinklers. The keys are next to him, but we can't grab him yet. So we've got to unfortunately go have a conversation with Evan. Um, he's just a bit yeah. of a douchebag, really. Yeah, because what we need to do is sabotage one of the sprinklers to, to get um, Samuel out of the, his office. But uh, to do that, we've got to get Evan out of the way because he's posted right by the sprinkler trying to take a picture of a bird. Yeah, exactly. And um, you can either have a friendly chat with Evan or you can kind of mock him for what he's doing at the moment. Um He'll also, if you signed his petition, he'll kind of thank you for being the only person to legitimately sign it. Um, but ultimately, the game is to just scare the bird away so it goes and lands on a little statue nearby. Yeah, like Evan a totem, gets, isn't it? Yeah, then Evan gets distracted and you can kick the sprinkler in um, and kind of and break it so that when Samuel turns it on, it just squirts water in all sorts of directions instead of where it was supposed to be. Uh, which is obviously like a sprinkler. And that will bring Samuel's attention so that you can go grab the keys. Uh, not a difficult little sequence. Uh, I don't think I thought it was pretty pretty well done, though. Uh, didn't take very long. Yeah. Um, I think these sequences, though, they're kind of just padding out time. It does feel like that way at, at points. Because, um, as I say, we, we swipe the keys. I think you can do a bit of graffiti in samuel's little store cupboard whatever it is uh, on the door i think you can spy some of the can you spy some of the books he's been reading he's he's got some quite sort of high-end books isn't he on philosophy and what have you yeah i remember from the first game he was always kind of into yeah. that sort of thing and then we go to the dorm the door of the dorm um, just as we're about to open skip walks out anyway so we did all that for nothing. For nothing at all. Uh, yes, yeah, Skip walks out. He says about how you're not meant to be here. Uh, you tell him to just let it go. And then he says, nope, he's got to ask you what your official business is or you've got to get off Blackwell property. And that's where you can make the decision to either leave it and see how the game plays out that way or to try the little chat back mini game again and talk your way past Skip, which is what I did successfully. Uh, you'll confuse Skip by saying how you thought you were friends and how you just you're just dealing with kind of women's problems uh, and things like that. Skip will get flustered, but luckily for him, Principal Wells will call him away for an unidentified vehicle in the parking lot, which I can only presume is Frank's RV. And, I should uh, imagine so. Yeah, and then he'll go if you successfully do it. He'll just go and deal with that and say that he's not going to talk. To Principal Wells, or if it goes the way of your playthrough, Skip will lose his job. Yeah, he'll do uh, something about concentrating on his band and tell Principal Wells to 
get lost or something to that effect. I can't remember his exact yeah, wordings he, now. Yeah, he pretty he, he just quits basically, which obviously opens the door for David Madsen's introduction as head of security, presumably, because that would be the way yeah. the timeline would work he, out. Yeah, he'd, he'd probably apply and get the job and ascend for security. Exactly. So into the dorm we go. And it's time to head over to Drew's dorm room. Uh, you can knock on the door first or just open it. It doesn't matter because there's no one in there at the moment. Which way you do, it just depends can I, if you've got manners. Can I take you back for a second? Because I only discovered this on this playthrough. But I don't know if you've noticed it. You can actually go into Elliot's room. Oh, what's in Elliot's and room? And I have a bit of a snoop round. There's not a huge amount, but um, you can find... Um, a science paper he's had marked and he's got an A plus um, he's obviously very smart yeah. he's, he's been funded by the Prescott so he's not paying any tuition because he's so smart he's actually getting completely a completely funded scholarship while he's there uh, nice. you can look at a desk and he's got a picture of himself and Chloe from a a nice at a gig from a while back and Chloe pondered, hmm, why is he still holding on to this photo? <laughs> um, you can um, you can look through his diary and he's got some quite weird sort of emo-esque um, poetry. And um, as Chloe reads it, she suddenly realises, hang on, is this all about me? Very strange. What a strange guy, but we will get to him uh, in a later episode. Uh, into Drew's room we go. As you look around it, you find out he's also on a full scholarship uh, for sport, um, uh, so fully funded and everything like that. And then uh, you also find out that his, his dad moves around a lot. Uh, it's because you'll see his address constantly crossed out on a post-it note. You'll also just you'll see a sleeping bag on the floor, and you'll kind of presume that Mikey, his brother, is staying in the same room um, as him at the moment. You'll see all the kind of Mikey's uh, Dungeons and Dragons fi- uh, figures. Um, sorry, my neighbour's dog's just not stopping today. He obviously, just hates me. But, um, <laughs> but the main thing is, there's a chest in the corner. And it does have a code, a coded padlock on it, uh, which you got to find out what the code is. The code is just Mikey's birthday, uh, which is 12 27, 27 for December. Does that work if you put it in straight away, does it? Because um, I yeah. couldn't remember what it was, so I had to go through the thorough of trying different ones, and then eventually she'll um, text staff asking what Mickey's birthday is, and then it'll do like a little cutscene. Where she just puts it in without you having to do anything. Oh, I remembered what it was, so I just tried it straight away and it opened. Um, oh, wicked. I've without doing it, the text. I've written it down this time, so uh, hopefully for future I will remember it if I play again. Yeah, inside you'll find a little sort of cuddly dog and then you'll find an envelope filled with cash. Uh, now it's time to get out of there, but as you do get out of there, Mikey walks in. Uh, you've got to kind of make an excuse. The excuse I went for is you were waiting for Drew. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. And it's not 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 awkward or suspicious in the slightest, is it? 
No, but you had to think fast and then but it doesn't matter because then Drew walks in very quickly and tells Mikey to get his stuff because they've got to go. And that's because when you peer around the corner, you will see for the first time Damon, who you'll recognise as the man uh, from the very start of the game, arguing with someone next to Frank's RV. And he'll be shouting for Drew about where his money is. Uh, Drew will shut the door to his dorm room and then say, whatever happens, don't come out. And he'll go out and talk to Damon. Drew will just start making stuff up about how he's not sold anything at the moment, but soon he will. He doesn't have the money, but he'll have it once he starts selling again. And then you've got another big choice to make. Do you stay in the room with Mikey or do you go out there to try and help? What did you do? Yeah, well, just just before I'll just add on to that. Um, by the time you get to that choice, Damon has started uh, pounding on Drew and giving him a, a bit of a beating, isn't he? You can clearly hear him punching him and Drew's either unable to or not willing to fight back. I'm not quite sure which. And yeah, um, I, uh, I decided to stay in with Mickey in the hope that you would take the other option so we had something different. Carl, we, we had this on... Um... We had this on Kayfabe Court. It, it's Mikey. Sorry, Mikey. What is it with you and names? <laughs> no, I'm not very good. <laughs> but yeah, Mikey, we, um, I choose to stay in, inside with him in the hope you took the other decision. Yeah, so if you do that, Damon will basically beat the crap out of Drew and then walk off, but Drew will be left in a very, very bad condition. Uh, I walked out and gave Damon the money. You walk out there and I chose the option to tell him that for, I'm here because Frank told me to come. Damon will then say something about, oh, that's what Frank was on about. Um, he would kind of told him something about he was doing something. And then eventually you will be able to give Damon the money cause that's, and say that's why I was here. I was here to collect it for Frank, but I'll give it to you. As you go to do that, Mikey will try and interrupt and say, we need that money, but Damon will backhand Mikey to the floor, leading to him hurting his arm. He lands on his wrist all funny. And then Damon will just say, thank you to you, but warn Drew if he ever does this again, he's going to break both of his knees. Uh, So you leave kind of in the opposite condition, which is Mikey ends up the one getting hurt, and Drew's okay, whereas if you do it your way around, obviously Drew ends up hospitalised and Mikey doesn't. Yeah, because he targets his knee and uh, then says, try playing football on that knee now. Yeah. So, uh, trying to mess up his football career, isn't he? Exactly, yeah. Drew will be really annoyed with you if it happens my way. I want to say about how you needed that money to get their dad off the street, because presumably that's why all the addresses are crossed out, because their dad at the moment is homeless, which leads us from the first episode where Drew did actually say to Nathan Prescott, you, your dad shut down the plant, so my dad is, is jobless. So it all kind of links in yeah. there. But it, Drew took the direction of trying to screw over a drug dealer. Not not to be recommended. Yeah, and you do see in the note his final address is actually a shelter, isn't it? So, um, yeah. He isn't in a good place, his dad. But, yeah, as you say, I... I got the opposite. I got thanked for uh, help keeping uh, Mikey back. And uh, Chloe just says, uh, but I didn't do anything. He was, no, no, you stayed with Mikey. Yeah. So 
that's the end of that sequence. We go to something a little bit more light-hearted at this oh, point. Also, after that, I get the choice. Do I give the money back to um, Drew or do I keep it to take to Frank? And I chose to keep it and take to Frank. Fair enough. So, uh, yeah, on to something a bit more light-hearted because it's finally time for that Tempest that everyone keeps bibbling on about. Uh, <laughs> now, in both of our playthroughs, at the moment, Rachel will not be in the play. Uh, as you walk up, you can have some conversations with Hayden, who's apparently a method actor because he's trying to yeah. play character the entire time. <laughs> exactly what I wrote. <laughs> but not doing too good a job. You can also have a chat yeah. with the teacher as well. I mean, it's nothing like Rio Ferdinand, is he? I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> this is true, but um, yeah, the aim of this is to walk into the ladies' big tent that's made use of the changing room. Where at the moment, you will peer past and see Victoria having a bit of a breakdown. Uh, well, you'll she... also, uh, you will also to interrupt again, but you'll also see and uh, make a mental note of um, Steph not being there because she's left the position as floor manager to be with Mikey at the hospital. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Um, yes, yeah, so as you walk in, Victoria's having a bit of a breakdown. She's in the mirror. She's saying, you can do this, you can't do this. She takes um, a tablet from a prescription bottle and sips on some tea. Um, and then she will notice you in the mirror and say, what are you two doing here? Which at first you are unaware that Rachel is stood behind you. So it kind of feels like Victoria's seeing double for a second, but then the camera does pan back and Rachel has appeared standing behind yeah. you. But if you, uh, if you, if back in uh, Principal Wells's office, uh, you took all the blame, you'll walk in to find Victoria trying to put a drug in uh, Rachel's uh, tea or coffee to try and get her out of the place so she can take her place that way. Yeah, you will. So either have way... You, have, you play, have you played that scenario? Yeah, yeah, that is what I did originally as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, at this point you can... Uh, Rachel say how she's happy for Victoria and wishes her luck, and Chloe can then jump in with the convincing game, the mini game once again, where you've got to try, the aim is to try and get Victoria to quit by talking her down, saying about how she's embarrassed, saying that she knows that she doesn't even like theatre. And if you successfully do that, which is what I did, she will admit that A, she doesn't know any of the lines because she wasn't, she presumed that Miss Perfect Rachel would be doing it. Uh, she hates theatre anyway, and she's going to make a complaint about the amount of funding going to the arts. <laughs> and then she will quit and storm off. Uh, is that what happened for you? Yeah, I actually won this back chat, and I find it quite funny. Um, Victoria goes, you're right, and Chloe, surprised, goes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's all good. They storm off. Rachel says about how pretty much thanks you and says you've outdone yourself and then you hear the cries of the teacher because it turns out that Juliet because of the fire which has closed the roads is unable to get here because the roads are shut from her house um and how they're now and then Victoria will quit in dramatic fashion meaning the teacher is now down two people moments before but step up Rachel Amber to take her place back 
and then she recommends Chloe to play Ariel. Exactly. Chloe, who has not even read any of the lines at all at this point. Yeah, Chloe is not up for this, but then Rachel does say, do it for me, and she just does a big sigh, and we flash to Chloe wearing the nice kind of bird costume sort of thing that Ariel apparently wears in The Tempest with a script in front of her with your highlighted lines, and it is a memory game. It certainly is. Your aim is to try and... It's literally a script in front of you. You can read it as many times as you want, but as soon as you leave that tent, you are set out, sent out to the play um, to read them as as best as you can remember them. So how did you get on? I did okay, but before you go out, you do get a text off Elliot asking... Asking us where well I'm at the I'm at the theatre on my seat, where are you? And Chloe replies, You will see. <laughs> uh, I didn't get that because I said no to him. Oh yes, of course, yes. So yeah, I went out and yeah, uh, amazingly with my memory, I uh, got all the lines correct, even on my first uh playthrough as well. And uh, you know you're getting them right because uh the teacher, Mr. Keats, I think his name is, will go yes in the in the background as you're nailing your lines, even if at first she is a little bit wooden. Yeah, but she opens up personality-wise. You do also have to do a bit where you walk up the uh, stairs of some uh, set-up ship yeah. uh, as well. And But after you've finished all your lines and you're supposedly done, Rachel will go completely off-script. Yeah. She will go rogue. I put I put in my uh, I put in my finger. It turns into a shoot in wrestling terminology. Yeah, don't bring your absolute <laughs> marker to this podcast, please. <laughs> We've done enough poxy grappling for now, and um, yeah, she will basically have a. She's she's convincing Rachel, uh, sorry Chloe, to stay with her and to leave with her still, and she's doing it. For, live in front of an audience in character chloe's doing her best to keep up with the improv skills of rachel but she does a good job uh you can either go along with it and keep saying yeah uh, basically yes yes i'll stay with you or you can kind of say how confused you are um the teacher's loving the improv yeah nathan tries to mr keith they're going off script and He's like, shh, it's magical. (laughs) And then, yeah, once that's done, your character will get sent away and then you'll just get to watch the rest of the play uh, play out, essentially, for a little bit. You get to see Hayden and everyone and Nathan Prescott uh, playing some kind of slave character coming out. And everyone, if you did all the lines, everyone will be cheering and going nuts. And, uh... And yeah, and then it will pan round, and who was standing right at the back watching it all? But that goddamn Sarah woman. Mm. She was there watching, and yeah, all all done. The play was pretty pretty fun. Yeah, it was actually. It's quite a cool segment, to be honest. I was like, oh no, I've got to do a play segment, but no, it's it's actually worth doing. Yeah, it's all it's all good. You get some good development, and you just get to have a yeah. bit, bit of a light-hearted moment in amongst everything else as we enter the goddamn final sequence of events for this episode, where life gets very intense, and there's a 
Rachel and Chloe are basically walking down the street. They're all changed back into their street clothes. Uh, Rachel's on a real adrenaline high. She's spinning and dancing all over the place. She talked about how she loves uh, this time of night, how she loves the feeling after a show where it's just all pure adrenaline. Uh, she says how well, if you did do, if you did do well, she'll tell you how brilliant and amazing you are and you get the option to agree and stuff. Uh, eventually you'll reach a point where you can choose to start holding hands and walking down the street. And that's where Rachel plays her, plays her hand and talks about leaving immediately. Have you, have you done a version where you didn't get the lines right or got some mm-hmm. of them wrong in the play? No. Just out of interest to see how it, how it changes things. Perhaps mm-hmm. I should have just got them wrong on purpose. Uh, no, I'm not too sure what happens, but I can't imagine I can't it imagine, that Yeah, much. I was going to say, I can't imagine it really does. Yeah, so Rachel talks about leaving, asks you to pick a place. You get to pick New York, L.A., or I can't remember what the third choice was. No, or me. I think it was uh, just random on the road or something, wasn't it? I can't remember, but um, yeah, I picked L.A. Yeah, because that's, that. that's what she talks about in the first game where they were going to go together, wasn't it, L.A.? So well, I went for that as well. Yeah, and then we get to a nice little choice where Chloe basically kind of has a moment where she goes a bit glum and says, hey, I hope this is real and you're not just playing me along because it'll make me feel like shit if this life you're on about doesn't happen. Rachel talks about how she can convince her and then you get three choices. You can either ask for her bracelet, the bracelet that she was on about, how she gets she's had since birth or since she was really little she doesn't know where it came from you can ask for a kiss or i think was the first choice you can ask for a hug or something yeah yeah uh which one did you go for i went for the bracelet ah so did i because uh we, when we were talking about starting up this pod you did mention something about the bracelet uh gives you a slightly different st- Story, so I thought I'd yeah. go with that to see what happens. Yeah, to peel back the curtain, we um, agreed that I would pick the bracelet and you wouldn't. I forget. I forgot that by now. <laughs> yeah, you can't even say Mikey. So Mikey, I can. I just got it wrong <laughs> once. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, but we both took the bracelet, even if Carl wasn't meant to. And uh, yeah, after she'll reluctantly give it to you, talk about how she's had it since birth. She doesn't know where it came from, but she now doesn't even know if that's true because that's what her dad's told her. And that's when I, Rachel will say, well, let's leave tonight. We'll head back to mine, sneak out some clothes and supplies, and then let's hit the road. And Chloe will now be much more believing of Rachel. And that's when, well, presume it's some ash it certainly didn't look like snow but i'm presuming it's ash from the fire begins to yeah, fall on them and give the effect of snow yeah i was wondering if it was that yeah and you'll see the fire burning in the background chloe will say fuck yes to leaving and they will run away into the night heading to rachel's home uh to go and try and sneak out some supplies uh, another good sequence a lot of kind of relationship advancement into who they are happening here uh some real good stuff i think yeah it is definitely it shows that they they do really care about each other don't they yeah completely and i think chloe's now convinced that what rachel's saying to her is real uh, I, I sort of get the impression that 
Chloe's kind of fallen in love with falling in love with Rachel, but I don't know if it's quite that the other way around. Yeah, I don't know if they know, really know yet, but we will find out as we do enter into the very final scene and moments of this episode. First off, they sneak in the house. You see Rachel's mum is cooking, but with her back turned, uh, Rachel will shush you and then say about sneaking up the stairs. But as you turn there, her dad is at the top of the stairs and say, and sort of kind of announces that you're here and says, oh, Rachel's here. And then uh, her mum will walk over. Dad will be stood in front of you and they'll be like, oh, she's bought her friend. <laughs> so, and it's Chloe, obviously. Uh, they have a brief conversation, but basically they will be trying to convince you to stay for dinner. Uh, Rachel will say, or basically she'll be very holding back a lot of anger at this point, I suspect. Because you see her being very, very frustrated uh, as she as she does this. So did you get that impression as well? Definitely, yeah. And if you don't take the bracelet, you, you just walk in the house and... Um... They're there, there's no trying to sneak up the stairs or anything. Yeah, so um, it's basically you're going to have to sit through dinner and you get convinced, even though Chloe tries to talk her way out of it as well. Uh, Rachel will then say to you after they've kind of walked off that she's going to go upstairs, pack, and then all we have to do is get through dinner and then we can go. And uh, yeah, and you're, the point of this mini little segment is you can go over conversation with Rachel's mum and uh, Rachel's dad, sorry, or you can go up to Rachel's mum and she'll ask you to basically help set the table, which is get some plates out, get some glasses, find out what drink uh, Rachel's dad wants with with uh, the food, which is sherry, and he'll also kind of mini-interrogate you when you do that and ask about how it's so out of character for Rachel to do that, and Chloe will insinuate, oh, is it, it's obviously because of me, is it? And he'll kind of call you out for trying to deflect things with jokes. Um, but then it also does say at the end that maybe you're the sort of person Rachel's needs to, as she navigates yeah. adolescence. So I think he's he obviously doesn't know that you guys know about him, but he's obviously trying to work out Chloe as well at the same time, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and then it's time to sit down for the nice little chicken dinner, which doesn't go very well. Uh, no, it's uh, <laughs> not the quiet little dinner they were hoping for. No, it's not. They'll kind of say about how, uh, well, Rachel's mum will ask about the fire ori- originally, which will kind of make Rachel do a little choke as she's taking a drink. Um, yes. And she also says something uh, that makes me think back to what you said in the first episode, that there might be slightly supernatural or mystical things at foot because Rose says I've never seen a f- or heard of a fire spreading so quickly yeah and then Chloe will say about how they say a fire only spreads like that when it's a crime of passion and then uh, Rachel's dad will come up and say oh what do you mean by by passion and Chloe will fire back with you tell me and um Rachel's dad will then start doing a big speech about how family is the most important thing uh, to him, how we all just need to love each other and get through things and look after your family. And that's kind of the last straw for Rachel, who will then say the words, fucking blow me, under her breath. (laughs) And that'll be where it all 
it all kicks off from there. They start firing back. Rachel says about, hey, we saw you at the Overlook kissing that woman. Um, stop lying. Rachel's mum will then get involved and sort of ask James what he's on about. You can then say something. You can even, sorry, then you can either then initiate the argument game with Rachel's dad or you can try and calm Rachel down. Um, I chose to just try and calm Rachel down and let Rachel deal with it. What did you go for? Yeah, the calming down one. Yeah, so um, if you do that, basically James will then start laying into you about who you are and saying you're a broken child from a broken home. That's where the mum will jump in and then their their voices will kind of be um, kind of sent to the background as Rachel just sits there stewing, staring at the candles. You will see the flame of the flames of the candles will be changing in height throughout this shot. They'll be kind of either increasing or decreasing. And all of a sudden she'll stand up, pick up a big bowl of salad and throw it through the glass table, smashing it everywhere. And she'll call out her dad and saying, for once, stop being a fucking politician. Stop lying and just be a dad, okay? And just scream at him. And then, well, I'll let you say, what, what's the final thing that he said? Well, he says, well, the woman you saw me with wasn't my mistress. It, it is your mother. Ooh. And then we get the East Enders sound effect. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and um, yeah, and that is that's that the is final it. thing Pretty said. The end, apart from a, a bit of a montagey bit at the end. Yeah, you get the ending montage where you see kind of Joyce and David walking into Chloe's room, seeing it's empty and having a little hug. Um, if Frank got his money back, you uh, in the way that I did it, you'll see Damon walk into Frank's RV, throw the money on the table, and then give Frank a fist bump and a little nod, and then just walk off. Um, as well, I can't remember what the. I think if you if you think if Frank hasn't got his money yet, which he won't yet from in your playthrough, no. I can't remember what he's doing in the montage. No, right. yeah, he's not a lot's happening really, from what I can remember. Yeah, and then you just see, and the final thing you you see again is just Sarah sat there in front of the kind of the fire. You also see, I can't remember what that uh, weird girl's called, but you see her at the end, sat still sat in a seat at the play, waiting for Nathan Prescott to come out. And when he does, she just starts clapping for his performance. Um, and yeah, and you also see, obviously at the hospital, you see Steph and Drew sat outside yeah. of Mikey's, Mikey's room, or you might see it the other way around if it's Drew. Yeah, you'll see uh, Steph and Mikey uh, sat with Drew, who's laid up in the uh, hospital bed. Yeah, but um, another damn good episode. I think. I mean, yeah. what, did you make, what did you make of it? Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it sort of flies by, to be honest. It's, it's you know, it takes a few hours, few hours to get through, but it doesn't feel like that when you're playing it. Everything moves along at quite a good pace, I would say. Yeah, I thought it. Yeah, I thought it moved quickly. Uh, there wasn't too many scenes in this episode. They were just all, all quite a bit of length, which is a bit of a mix-up from usually in Life is Strange. You're kind of usually all over the place. Um, but in this one, it was very solid about where it was going. It was very linear in the yeah. way the story was told, which is good. And I like the reveal at the end. I think that's well handled. Yeah, um, I think that was a good. I think. Uh, we always knew there's something up with her, but I think the way they revealed it was really good. 
Um, and yeah, episode three is equally as interesting, equally as good. Yes. And we will bring that to you next week. But that's episode two done. Uh, Brave New World. We we have bravened it. And yeah, it's, it's all good. But uh, thank you very much for listening once again, guys. Let us know what you thought of this episode if you've, if you've played it. And if not, why not? Get on it. Um, create your own story and let us know what choices you make. Uh, as always, you can find us at rogue underscore opinion on the Twitter and the Instagram. Check back through the feed and say we've got all sorts of grapple peoples. Um, by the time this goes up, there'll be a new kayfabe court where Carl reveals that he can't say any names. Um, <laughs> I really you, can't. <laughs> as, you, as you found out in this, this episode as well. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's nothing compared to the, the mess I make of a name in the kayfabe court. Yeah, yeah, that is nothing compared to that. Uh, yeah, you've got the Doctor Who series with Carl and Sean, where, I, I don't know, Carl, do you struggle to say the Doctor? Uh, I do, yeah. It's, it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've obviously got Naked Men podcast with me and Ben on there as well. And yeah, just check back. There's all sorts of things going on. Uh, we're also on Medium. If you check us out, now we've got Anthony Fitzpatrick uh, writing some articles as one on the F1 legend, Nicky Lauder. And then another one on the Cricket World Cup, which is just finished, and his team of the tournament. So go check that out as well. But you can find me at Nathan Greenaway. Carl, where can people find you? And is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, you can find me at uh, Carlos underscore fire 89. And uh, I think we've done other plugs. If we do some retro Smackdown, uh, we've got a new one of those recently up with Scott and Jimmy. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think we've done, I think we've covered everything really on the plugs. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, guys. We'll be back with a final episode of Before the Storm before we get to a little bonus episode next time. Bye now. Bye. Setting fire to our insides for fun. Collecting names of the lovers that went wrong. The lovers that went wrong.